Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. We're moving right along here. In Hebrews chapter 8, a second day. Yes, we are. Talking more about Jesus as the better priest. Yeah. And his covenant is the better covenant. Yes. And we're going to start getting some, well, we're going to continue getting some arguments on why that is the case. People tune in for arguments. (laughs) Right. That's what gets the clicks, baby. (laughs) When we start dropping the arguments. They started... (laughs) Fisty cuffs right there that's on text. A, that's exactly right. Uh, maybe that's not exactly. that kind of argument. Oh, but. okay. Okay. <laughs> How about we just go ahead and jump into the reading and you go ahead and read verses one through five. All right. So I've got Hebrews chapter eight, verses one through five, reading from the New King James Version. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. We intimated at the end of yesterday's discussion this business about Jesus according to Psalm 110 and Psalm 2 being in Zion, on Zion. And I pointed out that we were going to hear that he's not actually on earth, and there it is. Yeah, there it is. He's not actually on earth. There were priests that were on earth at that time who were offering mm-hmm. sacrifices and gifts at the temple. That's right. And I guess, you know, it's it's really tough. The Levitical at, priests. Yes, it's yeah. really tough as we're going through Hebrews, not bringing in stuff that's going to come later, because what happens over and over again is the Hebrew author kind of makes a claim and throws something out there and then comes, comes back, back and supports it. it. I guess I want to jump ahead just briefly. We mentioned it yesterday, but in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to begin in verse, uh, let's see, 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, darkness, gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. That reminds me of Moses. That is, and that's Mount Sinai. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Mm. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels and festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and Mm -hmm. to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Here he says, we have come to Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. Now, these folks are not on Mount Zion as far as the earth is concerned. And we're told about Jesus, that he is as the son and the anointed, the king and the priest. He is on Mount Zion, Mm -hmm. and yet he is not on earth. It's here in Hebrews 12 that we're going to find out in a few weeks... (laughs) (laughs) how that all fits together. And it's because 
of a concept I think we need to look at today, that there are the copies and the shadows Mm -hmm. that point to the true heavenly things, and the true heavenly Mount Zion is that assembly of the firstborn, or as some translations, in fact, the New King James may say, the church of the firstborn. certainly does. When we have come to Jesus, Mm -hmm. to his church, we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, that city of refuge. Yeah. And and just recognizing the reality that that copy and shadow was pointing towards. I think this is a concept we ought to just go slow with for a minute because I think it's kind of a new concept. Okay. Yeah. Shadow. (laughs) Um, Well, I I don't, I'm going to use the word materialism here and I don't mean it in necessarily as, as ugly as that word always sounds, but, but listen, we, we are a very empirical society, right? Mm, Yes. I need to see it. Yes. Seeing is believing. Mm, They say that the real things are what I can hold and taste and Mm -hmm. touch and see. Mm -hmm. That's the real stuff. Okay, what we're reading here is turning that around Mm. to say that that which could be seen and touched, those were the copies. Yes. Right? But the real thing, the substance, is actually spiritual, is actually unseen. It's, It's really kind of flipping in our minds the way we're used to approaching yeah absolutely you know shadow and substance absolutely absolutely so here what we find is what is in the spiritual realm that is unshaken by physical things that's going to be another thing that comes up and when we get back to hebrews chapter 12 i don't want to go ahead again now but we if you want to look ahead at hebrews chapter 12 that's that that idea of what can be shaken and what can't be shaken, the spiritual things yeah. cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. The spiritual things cannot be toppled. Mm-hmm. Look, you could blow up a nuclear bomb, and it will have tremendous impact even on something as considered stable and real as the earth itself. It could, it could topple mountains. It could crater mountains. And yet, it cannot affect and touch the true spiritual realities of of God's realm of existence, Mm -hmm. which we actually do live in at the same time, Mm -hmm. even though we can't see it, Mm -hmm. even though we, we can't experience it and run tests on it and put it in a test tube and and pour acid on it and see what's going to happen or 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 put it in and mix it with hydrogen and see what happens we can't do any of that with the spiritual realm but what he is pointing out is that spiritual realm are the true realities god will use the seen to teach us about the unseen yes or to make revelation about the unseen i i I just want to go slow with that i I think about the initial hebrew audience did they see what a priest was and appreciate the work of priests well sure god had set up this levitical priesthood they could go over to jerusalem they could see those guys working and yet we're learning about a high priest who is doing these uh well verse two says ministering Mm mm-hmm at a tabernacle, but the one the Lord has built. And it's not. It's not this thing going on, uh, you know, uh, standing in Jerusalem at that time. I think the pre-modern man actually was much more open to the concept that reality was something that was behind the scenes 
and therefore beyond so. the scene. Probably so. I think they were more open to that. It's in the modern age, once we get to the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. which, of course, the Reformation bit its teeth on the Enlightenment. Yeah, we yeah. even, uh, as, as Christians today, are often children of the Enlightenment that had the idea that my reason, my ability to see things, my ability to run tests are going to give me all knowledge. And that was a mistake. Now, by seeing things, by testing things, can I learn stuff? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Even the scripture highlights the fact that when when I witness the sun going across the sky... Psalm 19, it teaches me some things even about God. Many of the modernist and enlightenment and renaissance scientists were approaching it from, we want to know how God makes his world work. We want to know how God's world works. And by doing that, we're going to learn things about God. God. The mistake was thinking that through that reason and uh, empirical evidence and being able to see and touch and taste that we would be able to come across all knowledge mm-hmm. and all that is true and that's just not ca- the yeah. case yeah as we've moved into a postmodern age some folks i think are becoming more open to these spiritual realities and sure. i'm glad for that yeah the struggle is in this postmodern age uh, folks as they are open to spiritual realities they actually don't care about what's real <laughs> It, no, that's great. It's, it's like it undoes reality. Yeah, it's not It's not looking <clears throat> for what are the spiritual realities. Yeah. It's not asking, how can I know what's beyond what I see? How can I know the truth about that? Because there's, well, there is no truth about that. Yeah. It's just whatever's helping me feel good today. Yeah. And, and that's a mistake. What we need to do is get back to how God has revealed I the spiritual realities. I think that's the key word, a revelation. And that gets us back to Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2, mm. right? That Jesus Christ is this final mouthpiece. Yes. And so this is this is part of it, understanding where he is and how it's working today. But that, but the, the Hebrew writer isn't just making this up whole cloth. I mean, we used the word argument at the beginning. <laughs> but, I mean, he is showing forth how all this has been uh, taught and written beforehand so that it becomes clear now. So there's understanding now that this was pointing to these spiritual truths in Christ. So now that we've gone slowly... It's helpful for me. Can we we actually look at what the verses say? (laughs) If there's time. Yeah. I, no, no, I think I think you were wise to say, let's back up and go slowly. Let's lay a foundation. Let's understand what's happening here. Because what he talks about is there are priests on the earth who are offering gifts and sacrifices. They are, of course, doing that at the temple on the physical, geographical Mount Zion. Correct. But he says in verse 5, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Mm-hmm. The, the tabernacle, then later the temple... That was a copy. Mm-hmm. There was a reality, mm-hmm. and that was a copy. But the reality is an unseen reality. The, the reality is a heavenly, heavenly thing. Yeah. And what God is doing is through the tabernacle and through the temple, giving us a shadow, giving us a glimpse of the heavenly reality. See, I, I, I'm wondering if in, in verse 2, that this isn't kind of an, an amazing thing that he just said here, that there is a sanctuary and there is a true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. 
Oh, really? Yes. Because, uh, and when I'm reading the law of Moses, the Lord's tabernacle was erected by man. He gives a plan and Moses builds it. But now the Hebrew writer says, no, no, there's a whole other tabernacle. This is the true one. God built it, not man. Well, that's, I think that's his point is, as he moves on into, where is it, verse 5, at the end of verse 5, where he says, for Moses was instructed to erect this tent by God, saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. That tabernacle was constructed by Moses. He was given a pattern by God yeah. to build and construct that tabernacle. But the reason God gave him the pattern is because God knew what the real was, what That's the right. original, what the That's true, right. the, the, the true sanctuary of God in the heavenly realm. Mm -hmm. God gave the pattern to Moses to say, hey, make your copy like this. Yeah. Make make your shadow like this. Now, obviously, in the earthly realm, there's no way to convey the true realities. But but here it is, as best as you humans and your finite understanding can see, here's, here's the dwelling place of God. Mm -hmm. I do think that what we see, this copy, is the nature of how everything emanates in mm. circles. God is right at the center. So with that, that tabernacle, holy of holies idea, there's the holy of holies, the yeah. most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, was placed, the mercy seat of God, mm. where God would meet and speak with Moses. And once a year, the priest, the high priest would come in and offer these atoning sacrifices and yeah. sprinkle blood Shrink and all of, of that on. sort of thing. Yeah. There was a veil that separated from where God dwells. Mm. And then there was the holy place. It, it's it's not the most holy place, but no. it's the holy place. And more priests could come in. There was more work that was done there, but there was a veil. Then you had outside that this courtyard mm -hmm. and a place of sacrifice that would allow people to somewhat come near. Right. But then you have, the encircling the whole tabernacle, the priests and the Levites, as if to provide a barrier between God and the nation. And then surrounding that is the nation. I think this is the what, what we're seeing is how in the heavenly spiritual realm, everything centers around God, mm -hmm. and it proceeds out from that. And how amazing it is that now that Jesus Christ is our priest, rather than being separated from God by the priests, we are taken into God's presence by our priest. Mm -hmm. What an amazing thing. Amen. But here we have copies and shadows that are pointing to heavenly realities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing to get a handle on. I, I really appreciate it. Every once in a while, I just got to go slow for me, man. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, good study, good insight. We'd love to know uh, your your feedback. Send us an email, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you so much for your shadows, for the copies, for the, the patterns that you set forth that will give us a glimpse that'll help us look forward to the true realities. And of course, what amazes us is the fact that your son Jesus actually has accomplished what is real. What he did is not a copy. It's not a shadow. He is the substance, and we are thankful that he is our high priest. Lord God, we love you so very much. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, our priest, our king, our savior, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.